Hey everybody, this is Blake with Marvel.com, and I have the pleasure of sitting with... Matt Mahaffey. Of the band Self, of 800,000 other things, can you say why you're in town, sir? Uh, we are playing the Gramercy Theater, and we're doing a 20th anniversary release of the first Self record, Subliminal Plastic Motives, and... Um, we got approached by Fat Possum to, to re-release the record on vinyl. It had never been released on vinyl. And um, so we decided to do some shows in order to support it and play the record from start to finish. And hopefully, um, if people like it, encore with some songs of that era, you know. And you've only played a couple of shows on this, but they're all selling out. It's close, yeah. Right. It's pretty cool, yeah. Well, what is that like with the 20 years since? Um, well, given the fact that I don't promote anything, right. I don't have, like massive merch pages of swag and it's just literally a word of mouth type of thing it's amazing like we're, we're everybody everybody in the band we're kind of flabbergasted we're just kind of like this is great you know and everyone's professionals now everyone lives all over the country and they have great jobs and um you know anytime something like this comes up I'm like hey let's they're gonna re-release a record let's do some shows everybody's like bam they hop on planes and we rehearse and and it's just like uh it's just like being a family again, you know. And I heard there's a possibility for a there's a record coming out soon, or you're in talks to do another. Um, one? Yeah, I mean, I've been working on one for a while, but it's just you know, so much other stuff going. I'm in the studio composing every day. Right. It's just like not necessarily for self every day, you know. So it's taken a while <laughs> to get this one off the ground, but um, you know, I, I have songs, I have ideas, I have a phone full of ideas right now. And I just need to lay them down. So you're like always just creating and always just thinking about stuff too. Yeah, I'm always making music, you know, whether it's for myself or another band or another artist or television or film, um, you name it. It's mm -hmm. every day's different, and I like that, you know. And it's uh, going through your like bio. If people aren't if aren't aware of who you are, you've done so much stuff. Like you should write a book of just <laughs> this background that you have. Can you just take the fans through like just a basic? overview of all the stuff you've done you know it's interesting um how things lead to things and i i did like a local ted talk in nashville about relationships mm -hmm. and how um how important those are in an industry like the music business or film or comic books or cooking whatever doesn't matter um how important those relationships are like making the self-records um those turned on younger musicians to be like i want that guy to produce my album you know being an artist signed to dreamworks records you know, they had a huge uh, film department, a huge animation department. I got in with DreamWorks Animation, ended up working on movies like Shrek and um, Shark Tale and Flushed Away and Madagascar and mm. stuff like that because, you know, you, it's just about doing good work and that uh, it's kind of like if you build it, they will come kind of thing. Um, and then through working with DreamWorks Animation, met people that were working in television from Nickelodeon and Disney, and they were like, hey, you would be great for this. <laughs> so next thing I know, I'm, I'm, you know, producing, I'm scoring, you know, for, for Nickelodeon shows, for a Disney show, um, DreamWorks, um, you know, whatever. It's just, it's all about keeping those relationships healthy and um, letting people know that you're not full of shit and that you do good work, and, and that's it. So it's like, whatever comes through the door, we just try to, Make make something out of it, you know. And so it's all over the place. Some of the artists you've produced, like Pink. Um, yeah. Well, I didn't produce Pink. I played on. Um, oh, okay. I played on Pink. Um, that was an interesting thing because it was actually Linda Perry who produced it, but she didn't really produce it very much. And John Fields, 
which was a friend that I met on tour, and uh, he lived in Minneapolis. His dad wrote, his uh, uncle wrote Funky Town, <laughs> so he had a studio called Funky Town. Right. And we went in, and um, after a show, we'd played at First Avenue, and being a big Prince fan, that's where Purple Rain was filmed. <clears throat> after the show, we uh, went to his studio, Funky Town, and cut a track, and we've been friends ever since. And he moved out to L.A. about the same time I did and started blowing up, just um, producing Switchfoot and Pink and Mandy Moore and all these huge <clears throat> records. So uh, next thing I know, I'm on the Sharon Osbourne show playing guitar with <laughs> Mandy Moore because John Fields asked me to do it. You know? Right. Um, but uh, he, he ended up salvaging what Linda Perry was trying to do, and he actually produced the record. I don't even know if he got credit for it, but it's just in L.A. it was the kind of thing where he just popped by, can you put some drums on this? And then, bam, next thing you know, you, you hear it on the radio. Like, can you just put some turntables on this? Yeah, you know. And it was like gold record, you know. That's crazy. Well, do you like anything? What's your favorite thing to do in in the music business, or do you like doing everything? Um, right now, I, I really like scoring mm -hmm. because I don't read music. I don't. Um, I mean, I know I have I have like the little like <laughs> the little uh, stickers on my keys to be like this is C and this is E and this is C sharp and these types of things. Um, but it's just a it's a blast because. Um, I'm working on one show called Sanjay and Craig, and that's kind of fart jokes and lots of puke, you know. It's like for teenagers, or like preteens, and, uh, you know, they'll ask for crazy stuff. I, I equate it to cooking. It's kind of like, they're just like, well, you're you're a chef, so make us a taco out of sushi ingredients. You right. Know? You're a chef. You should be able to cook everything, and so you're our composer, so you should be able to do some, you know... Romanian death metal into um, what a carnival would sound like in heaven, you know, in, in a span of 15 seconds, you know. It's this crazy stuff. And then another show that I do is for, for younger kids, my daughter's age, like, you know, three, and it's called Henry Huggle Monster. And um, that, I have, like, a set of just 16 sounds. Like, they established... When you sit down and you, you're starting a show, they ask, like, okay, what, what, should, what should the sound palette be, you know? And it's like, well, I don't know, do they have electricity? <clears throat> is there going to be electric guitars? Is it going to be electric organs? Or is it just more acoustic stuff? And so we kind of boiled it down to about 15, 16 different sounds, mm -hmm. and mainly acoustic-based instruments, pianos, <clears throat> upright basses, drums, stuff that just produces a tone naturally. And so it ended up kind of sounding Ben Folds-y, you know, because I like to rock, and when I get on a piano and I'm rocking, it's going to sound like Ben Folds. So it's kind of this Ben Folds-y type of... Um, orchestral score but I have 16 sounds I get the episode and I just you know just sit down and think I think this would be cool you know and Th then then they put it out and hopefully no revisions you know does your daughter watch the show she loves it yeah. so does she know that you do the music for it she does because I sing the theme song oh, so that's when awesome it comes on she's like that's you daddy you know she's like a rock star to your daughter <laughs> it's it's cool yeah it's really cool to 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 have that lineup to have her be the right age for something that I'm working on, because, you know, anything else, she wouldn't care. If I mm -hmm. play her a new song, she's just like, I want to go play. Because you know, <laughs> you know? she's three, so she's the perfect age, and it's really nice. I mean, I, I built a home studio in the house, so I could be at home, and um, kind of always done that. And the fact that she can just wander in and watch me work to picture and see, see these characters, and, you know, it's funny because all the talent is in um, Burbank, so right. I record all of them via Skype, and she'll wander into the studio, and I'll be recording one of the characters, and she'll get to say hi to that character. You know, it's really kind of cool. You know, That's they'll awesome. stay in character. And I'm like, Anna's in here, and they'll be like, Well, hey, Anna. <laughs> it's really cool. 
<laughs> well, speaking of being like a fan of something, you mentioned when you were walking by that you're a big Star Wars fan. Yeah, I am. And we have Star Wars comics coming out soon. Like, what? How did you get into Star Wars so big? Um, I was just the right age. You know? mm-hmm. I think I saw. I was born in '73, so I saw Star Wars when I was four, and it was you know. I got pictures of me meeting Darth Vader at the moment, and I'm like just red cheeked. You know, I'm like he's standing in front of me, you know. And <clears throat> I'm now getting to relive that with my daughter. She's gonna be four in June, and I have a life-size Darth Vader in the studio. What? So she's grown up and seen. Yeah, it's like David Prowse was like 800 feet tall, right? And, um, you know, to scale this thing. Um, but she's always seen that, and she's like. Well, when she was started talking, she was like, what is that? It's Darth Vader. So she always knew it was Darth Vader. And so I broke out all my old school Star Wars figures. I still have all of them. The originals she, were like originals. The, the lightsaber comes out of the hand. All and, that, yeah. Oh, man. So she's playing with those, and she starts asking, oh, this is Greedo, and oh, this is uh, Hammerhead, and this is Bosk, you know, and all this stuff. So she knows these characters. So I was like, all right, I'm going to put it on and see what happens. And then she saw... Darth Vader walking and talking and C-3PO and R2-D2 and she was just like this is the greatest thing in the world <laughs> like it's crazy so now she's just like um, daddy I want to watch the Jar Jar Binks one or daddy I want to watch you know the the Darth Vader one right so she just she loves episode one and she loves episode four and that's kind of all that she really gets into you know I've heard that about one through three that that's more like if we were kids back in the yeah, day we like, would like it sucked more. for us yeah. but when you watch it through a three year old's eyes Jar Jar Binks is the greatest thing in the world and I mm-hmm. know why, I see why he did it it was just it just kind of sucked <laughs> yeah. I don't know I, I'm really excited about the J.J. Abrams stuff because he built a life size falcon I don't know if you've seen the pictures inside and out mm-hmm. it's life size and there's this crazy bastard down the street from us in Nashville that has a website called lifesizefalcon.com <laughs> And he's building pieces, parts in his backyard, and he's raising money. He's got T-shirts and stuff. So, I still haven't haven't tooled out there to see it, but he's like, yeah, you know, just come on down and you can help us build it and all these types of things. But um, to get back to J.J. Abrams, it's cool that he's he's also said that he's going to do as much model work as possible, right? And not rely so heavily on digital. And I think that's just that's the way it should have been done. But George Lucas was so excited about all his new toys and, and the digital world that he was like we have to reinvent this digital world right you know because everybody is going to want to use our technology for their stuff so we have to be ahead of the curve and it's unfortunate because I mean you look at you look at Avengers and stuff and it just blows those blows those first three Star Wars episodes out of the water you know Iron Man like the it's just you can't everybody's elev- if in film is elevated to such a level mm-hmm. that like nobody can beat anybody everything looks amazing and, and, and it's too amazing sometimes. So you're on the dark side of things or the light side? Sounds like you're a Darth Vader guy. I'm a Darth Vader guy. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a red lightsaber, and Anna has a red lightsaber, and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. We duel it out. It's great. And you mentioned, too, when we were walking around that you've been to a lot of Comic-Cons. Mm-hmm. Why did you go? Did you go as a fan, or you just went? Um, My good friend Brian Christensen, um, Brian Comics, Brian's Comics, uh, in Petaluma, California. Go check it out if you're ever there. Um, he, you know, got me into going to Comic Con. It's the best people watching in the world, right? Yeah, you know. And you know, you'll be walking through, and they'll be like the producer of Lord of the Rings, like the you know the young guy. I can't think of his name, but like 
He basically took his wedding, and that's my wedding ring. It's scanned in from the book. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah. That's insane. That's amazing. Makes me invisible to So you're a Lord of the Rings fan as well. Yeah, and my brother was as well. Yeah, huge, awesome. huge fan. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it, Comic-Con's the greatest. It's really overcrowded now, and... But it was nice to go to Hall H and see um, the entire cast of Iron Man, you know. Right. And John Favreau showing us, like, okay, here's the first look at Iron Man. Like, no one's going to, you know, it's it, it feels special, and the Q&As are great. So you were in Hall H during the Iron Man? The very the, first one, yeah. The lines for those are insane. They're pretty nuts. People see you. You can sleep in lines. Yeah. You know, people are just, like, falling asleep. <laughs> did you guys wait in line to get we in? Did, or? absolutely, yeah. Jeez. Wrapped around that whole convention center. But we would wait in line to, you know, to see see Iron Man, you know. Right. It's a big deal. And I think that was due to my friend Brian Christensen. He's the one who made us sit out there and wait. And we would hold each other's places in line and these types of things. Um, my wife worked for Panavision in L.A. And um, so we met a lot of comic fans um, just that worked there. Right. Everyone was fans of films and everyone was fans of um, comics and so it's. I mean, I love Comic Con. If I, you know, I took my nephew the last time we went. He just had a great time. He had Boba Fett helmet. Actually, it was a Django Fett helmet. Right. But he got like Peter Mayhew, and he got like um, all these, you know, homie that was uh, Grievous, you know, <laughs> who does uh, Matt, who does um, a lot of the sound. He actually works with Ben Burt, and he does the voice for Grievous and all the droids. It's crazy. Yeah. Would you dress up? Did you? No, I never did. Yeah. <laughs> it was just rad because you see like um, steampunk Ghostbusters. You know, I mean these dudes, mm. and then like you're just going to outside to get a coke or something, and a freaking '80s Cylon, like three of them, like perfectly polished. Right. With you know, it's like it's amazing. You know, they put so much work uh, into their costumes. This one dude was a transformer. He was the the re- the yellow car. Which one's that? Bumblebee. Bumblebee. Yeah, yeah, I've seen somebody like that. It was crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's always, you know, it's more crowded as it gets and, and, and more stuff that's not really even affiliated with comics, and the comics section gets smaller and smaller sometimes. Yep. Um, it's still some of the best, best people watching, and it's really, it'll always be Star Wars-centric. It'll always be, you know... The staples will always be there. Right. All these film studios promoting like these silly dramas and stuff. It's like that stuff should just be ousted because it's not about comics anymore. It's just about pop culture, period. Yeah. Which is cool, you know. But um, you go to the comic aisles and people have some of the coolest original stuff. Like it's just, and they're just there peddling their wares, you know. And they're like pushing the corner in the way. Yeah, they're like, pushing way the corner. Yeah, like yeah. derelict, you know. It's, re- it's it's not right. You mentioned something cool, too. Like you said your brother did a uh, soundtrack. He worked on the music for the P- first Punisher movie. He played on some songs on it. Yeah. I have, to, I have to research it. He was very humble about stuff that he would do extraneously outside of the band. Right. And, um,. Never even told me. Like I think my mother told me, like, "Yeah, you played played on the Punisher soundtrack." <laughs> I was like, "Wow, that's great!" You know, that's crazy. He was a really, really good guitar player, and um, would get hired to do things. You know, and he'd never tell me about him. <laughs> so, what's next for you? But after this, uh, you got a new album coming out. Like, um, I'm sure yeah. you got 800 things going on. Not straight away. I think when I get back, I'm working on the Henry Hunglebonster show, and then uh, I'm working on a DreamWorks show which I can't really talk about yet I think DreamWorks just did like this huge deal 
where it was Netflix. Mm-hmm. So it's like they hired, they've bought like this um, historic amount of shows, like biggest in television history, but it's not necessarily television because it's Netflix. So right. I don't, know how, I don't know how to actually apply that, but I'm working on uh, some of that stuff. Oh, cool. And that's animation. And um, I'm writing with some new artists. Um, a band out of Brooklyn called The Skins. Mm, mm-hmm. Just worked with them. And then um, this girl from Tennessee, actually named Mariah Poppy. Um, really good stuff. So it's just, you know, every day is different. But I, I'm totally loving working in animation. Mm. It's just a lot of fun. And playing these shows, like getting to play New York tonight, is just going to be great. I'm really psyched about it. <laughs> and can fans reach you anywhere online? Yeah, I mean, I'm on Facebook. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my thing. I don't really, I mean, I own all these web domains that I haven't, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm a lazy online person. <laughs> um, so it's fascinating that people just, um, I can announce on a Facebook page, like, hey, we're playing a show, and then, you know, we sell tickets to it. It's great. It's, it's, it's the best way right now um, to reach people. And there's so many different ways to do music that way. Um, to sell your records, to promote your shows, to promote yourself, or whatever. Um, and I just haven't really latched on to one particular one. I think Facebook right now, it's the easiest way. It's got the most you know, eyes on it, too. Yeah, you Google you Google Self or Matt Mahaffey, that's going to pop up. Right. You know, first and foremost, and you don't have to pay for it to pop up first. So it's like, it just works. You know? Thanks so much for joining us. This was Thanks a for having pleasure. me. It's awesome. Good times. This is Marvel, your universe.